are here, here in this place where the eels lay down and the cars light up and the Macca's M is the biggest moon in the sky. Summertime. Now we've got the sun smearing itself like golden slime across giant apartment blocks all pointing towards the sky. Here we are where the future just keeps coming and coming and now it's time to dance. Emma, Felicity, how are you? Great, Paula. Great. How are you? Awesome. <laughs> it, it's really, really good to, to see you two again. So we haven't seen each other since the final encounter performance, which was an incredible night. And we're going to be speaking a lot about that today. But first, uh, let's introduce you two to our audience. So we'll begin with Emma. Um, tell us a little bit about your dance background and you know when you began dancing and what you fell in love with first well i suppose i started dancing when i was four and uh just my ballet the local ballet teacher was my auntie auntie kim so mum asked me did i want to do ballet or gymnastics so i chose ballet because my auntie kim was the local ballet teacher and that was awesome so then i kept going on through i suppose a private dance studio uh, sort of environment and then at high school it was clear that that's something I loved I loved choreographing I loved dancing I loved the connection with everybody and everything and I loved it all and so I asked my high school if at the careers advisor if there was any dance degrees and he said no and then mum said yes there are there are five of them and one is in Sydney so we, unlike my career, I think probably they thought it wasn't much of a career in dance, but I just really have had such a wonderful time and went on to make lots and lots of different kinds of dancing work, both on my own and formed a little dance company called The Fondue Set. We made nine full-length works together that were sort of theatrical and a bit funny and a bit awkward and a bit rotten and a little bit of everything and not always about a beautiful body. And that's probably where everything really kicked off for me. And then I suppose in the last 10 years, my practice has expanded to become more interested in trying to involve more people and have more people see it. I just want to dance with everyone and make work for everyone now. Mm. Sounds like a wonderful journey <laughs> and it's so great that you enjoy what you do so much because that seeps through and it helps the dancers enjoy it and it's a good time for everyone. Uh, so Felicity, do you want to tell us a bit about your writing journey and what the first thing you fell in love with was when you began writing? You won't believe this, Paula, but I started out as a performance poet. Um, wow. <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't think that was my genre. I don't think I was particularly good at it. But I've tried lots and lots of different things along the way. So I guess I'm primarily known as a novelist now. So I write novels for young adults and adults. Um, but I've also written for theatre and for radio and I write a lot of essays. I'm really interested in doing the kind of work that I've done with form because I've always been very interested in collaborative work. Um, I'm 
I've just finished a novel that I co-wrote with two other people and I've increasingly over the last few years I've worked with visual artists to create work and dancers now and I work with a collective of writers called The Finishing School to create kind of innovative collaborative stuff. I think Basically, that's because I've always been really jealous of like people who are in bands and stuff and who or who are dancers and who get to go like to a studio and do stuff with other people, whereas you know my practice is very quiet um but I love as well that kind of the kind of art that I've gotten to make with forum um and with people other people who work in other disciplines. I love the kind of creative conversation that comes from thinking about how the stories we tell like with our bodies or in art or with song can uh, cross over with the kind of stories that we might tell on the page. Wow. Uh, that beautiful experience of interdisciplinary art is something we're going to be touching on a lot this episode. So I think we should begin speaking about encounter because that's really the heart of all of this. So Emma, do you want to tell me what your intention was? you know, when you first conceived Encounter as an idea? Because over time, it seemed like it grew into its own, you know, living artwork. Um, so, yeah, do you want to tell me about that process from idea to mm. developing artwork? Well, I think, I think where Encounter began, and I've said this a few times, and what I think I need to be clear is it kind of began as a seed in the head of Annette McLernan, as in the director of Form Dance Projects, because she's, you know, our our arts um, our arts people behind the scenes are constantly trying to create projects and develop partnerships with a range of different organisations. So I have to say that Encounter is the word before the word Encounter came into play, which was when I arrived. The seed and so much work had gone into what it could be um, before I got there. So by the time I got there, I sort of knew that I was going to be working with a large team of dancers. Half will be from Western Sydney, half will be from Fling Physical Theatre in Bega. I knew there would be an orchestra. I knew there had to be a one-hour length original composition. I knew the composers a little bit. Uh, and so there was a lot. So I suppose structurally everything was sort of in place before I arrived and then what my job I saw within this particular project was to then crystallise and find, navigate the artistic terrain, make, make the art. I also knew it would be outdoors and I had just done an enormous uh, outdoor dance project in my local area uh, and it tried to include every single person in the community and create a massive outdoor dance work at the beach. So I had this huge project under my belt and I think that is also why Annette felt that maybe I might be the right artist for the job in this case because it also was an outdoor project with a lot, a lot of people. So I felt like as a director I've had to have a pretty light hold on how I get find my flow within that and but to have a very fierce hold on the artistic content which would be maybe the currency of a dance or an idea that would come out of the site itself and then that dancing currency I would probably find in my body and then expand out with all of the dancers so there's no I'm not interested really in my dancing body sitting in this work as its own entity 
because for me that's a little bit irrelevant when you're making a work with everybody everyone has to contribute because everybody is there and then everyone feels ownership of what they're making and that's very important to me that's the collaborative process but that for me um it seemed very clear from the structures itself whether that where they were all young people that this work needed to celebrate the amazingness of our youth uh felicity was the first one i collaborated with uh so the words are are there even before the dancing was so so i suppose yeah for me the idea came out of a site my own dancing practice and some words and a noodle on a guitar that like with jody that was really what it was um and then the unbelievable process of allowing everyone into that and then navigating for me my way of how to keep some definition within that collaboration was a lot of what I was interested in how to sort of navigate does that answer that it's a huge question yeah absolutely it it must have been difficult to balance so many um frameworks and kind of identities and intentions and um we'll speak to Felicity actually so Felicity, uh, you live in Parramatta and have written a novel set in Parramatta and Encounter, you know, in its biggest performance was in the heart of Parramatta and that was everywhere in the choreography, in the text, in the location. So tell me about how your relationship with Parramatta informed, you know, your writing throughout Encounter. Um, I've always been really interested in site-specific work um, and although this was my first, I guess, performance that was site-specific, I feel like I've actually been creating site-specific work for many, many years um, on the page, for radio, um, for theatre. I've always been incredibly interested with the way that place shapes our experience, not just of ourselves but of the world, the way that it can shape our perceptions, um, the way that it can shape our our attitudes and bring out things in us that other places might not. I've I've been in Parramatta for, you know, 20 years or so now and before that again when I was young. And uh, part of what delights me, I guess, about being in this space and this community is all those kinds of subtle stories that you notice that are in place as you walk through the community. So, uh, you know, just it delights me just watching young people breakdance in the McDonald's parking lot at night and watching people walk down the river and looking at those, you know, tall, controversial buildings going up. Um, I love that because I think about what the stories are there and what that might mean to the people who pass through them and also what kinds of stories we lose when places change, you know, like I've watched over my lifetime, I've watched Parramatta change very, very dramatically. And I wonder as well as a writer, where do those stories go and how can we bring them out in that space, even though that space has changed. And I tried to bring all of that to this work to encounter. And how did you capture the essence of place in the written word? Uh, Well, it's hard because it's not just about capturing, I think, the essence of place, but it's also a collaborative response to place, right? So I'm trying to think about how those dancers' bodies move in place. I'm trying to think about what their individual stories of their own places outside of Parramatta 
Parramatta might be. And I'm trying to think about how they kind of translate to that space. So like in one of the opening sequences of Encounter, you have the dancers doing this small sequence of dance where they talk about how how difficult it is that everybody is trying to get them to be something. And that made me think a lot about that space and their bodies. Like I, I thought about the fact that, you know, I've always conceived of Parramatta as a very youthful, youthful kind of space. Um, certainly it's where I came of age and where many people I know came of age. And so I was thinking about the coming of age stories that the dancers told me and what their bodies look like in that space and also how I've experienced my own coming of age within this community. And I was trying to capture that in text. So I think that there's a lot of different forces that meet when you're trying to write about place and when you're trying to write site-specific work. Absolutely. And speaking of many forces meeting, um, Emma and Felicity, how did you two as, you know, creative forces meet and collaborate? Because I arrived on the scene like four months into the six month process. So, (laughs) yeah, what happened before then? Well, um, what happened was once Felicity was on the page, had arrived into the meeting, we we basically went and had a soda water and we sat down and we chatted to each other in a pub and went, right, what are we doing here? <laughs> and we just hashed out, uh, this is this process that, I hadn't experienced as much to this degree. So I I think for me I was in pretty sort of unknown terrain at the time. And so my so we talked a lot about dancing movements. I, I sort of gave I think Felicity a list. I knew there would be rolling, shoving, jumping, jiggling, shaking, draining. I had a list of words, of dancing words that I knew would be in this because I had already developed a little bit of ideas around the currency of the work. And so we had this really interesting process where I would give Felicity these words and then she would talk more to the site of the place of where she was writing. And then we would go backwards and forwards and I would say, well, the site is of the body. That that is our site. And then we'd talk about, well, the body's on an actual site. This is site-specific work. So we have a lot of discussions around site around location and and for me a dis a dislocation can it be a dislocated site where is where is how do you dance site where is the dislocation and the location found in each of the bodies and how do we come up with different ways to let the dancers let that out so we basically chatted for a couple of hours to try and get a sense of what some of the um, dancing, moving ideas, which was na- quite naturally where my head goes. That what Felicity did, and maybe Felicity, you, you talk more about this, but she sort of brings in a, a theme or an idea or the right kind of question to ask the dancers. And then the whole thing takes off like a jet and the dancers get to not only dance their responses to my dancing tasks which might be what does it feel like to fall apart? Could we dance that? They're answering questions of Felicity's in particular around perhaps something of sight. Felicity, can you tell everyone what some of the questions are that you ask sometimes? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, it's interesting that you, you keep talking about the, you know, the constrictions that you walked into um, because I, as a writer, felt like I walked into the least constricted place that I've ever walked into. You know, like I'm actually used to a lot more parameters, even in collaborative work. Like, so if I respond to visual art, for example, I've got a set amount of images that are already like painted or if I'm in the theatre there's a lot of constraints with an indoor theatre there's a lot of constraints with radio I felt like it I was just like go do what you would like to do so I actually felt less constrained than I've ever felt in my life and probably more afraid because um because there were so little constraints um but constraints what I, are good, though. I mean, oh, yes. totally. Sorry. No, I agree with you, and I, <laughs> I say that to my writing students all the time as a writing teacher. Um, I, no, I totally agree with you. Um, so I had to kind of decide what my personal constraints were, and and that was kind of a process process of negotiation between me and the dancers and you. And I kind of decided that, like you said, I wanted to capture something that was both me, my voice as a writer, but also their voice and their bodies and this place. And so I started to do a lot of kind of storytelling workshops with them where I asked them about place and their experience of place. And then I got them to kind of refine their experience of place by talking a lot more about the kind of key images that they saw in those places that were important to them. And I listened hard to the language that they used and to the words that they used and to the images that they used. And then I kind of put them on a page and I played with them and then I watched them dance some more. And I thought about like, how could I capture their individual bodily essences in this text as well? Like, so some of them were using, some of them were more, rigid and repetitive in the dance movements and others were a lot more kind of free-flowing and there was you know some some were kind of rolling a lot or jumping a lot and I tried to kind of integrate that bodily movement back into the text that I was writing so like I think a good example of that is when I wrote a highly kind of repetitive text that was meant to accompany essentially a dance that was very flamenco because it had like a very rigid repetition about it and I wanted to capture that in the actual words absolutely um and as a case study could we speak about Laurencia's story and how that how that story was kind of called out from her experience to the form that it existed in when everyone saw it because that it had such an intense emotionality and that was the highlight for me so um, I think a lot of that came from Laurencia because Laurencia, I think, has such intense emotion when she dances, but also when she talks about memory. And so one of the kind of storytelling workshops that I did, I was asking them to think about a place that was really special to them, a place that was unique that nobody else kind of knew about. And she started to talk about the Cook Islands and some of those spaces that she had been with her father before her father passed away and the details of the different kinds of fruit and leaves and the colours of those leaves. And I was really interested in, in, in capturing those details and I think that that's where the emotionality of that story came from. It came from Laurencia being able to speak with such clarity about the images of her father and his place and the significance of those really small everyday details 
where your emotion and your memory lie you know we all we all know that when we think about those moments in time that have of particular importance to us that have changed our lives they lie kind of in those small really specific details and that's what I was trying to draw out of the dancers and Lorencia in particular and feed back into her story and I feel like when I started to feed her story back to her she started to dance that story in a particular way and then I had to kind of rework the rhythm of that story again to suit the rhythm of her body. something about how beautiful Felicity's words uh, give us the intricate and the internal landscape that I can never do in dance and that is what is so phenomenally beautiful I think about the collaboration that we encountered in Encounter was that between Felicity and I just in that micro collaboration I really could see that Felicity is going to zoom in to their brain and to their memories and to their sight, which gave me a little bit more free reign to open back out the dance. So we could sort of work together. I was sort of listening to the density of Felicity's words, which allowed then the dancing on some occasions, particularly when the text was layered on top of the dance or alongside the dance, to have a bit more space actually. So there was space to be had. So with Lorenzia's dancing, I just, I think that was one task where I said, dance the dance that you want to dance. Just dance whatever you want to do that's connected with you as a person. And she came out with this kind of slow motion dance that uh, was really just uh, something that they would do as part of maybe, I think, feeling beautiful. I think that this dance is about being and feeling beautiful for her, uh, which is such a great dance. Um, that all, I wish all girls knew this dance in a way or had a dance to represent that idea. Just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah and you've actually answered my next question, Emma, which is uh, what's the best part of merging prose and dance? as opposed to just dance or just prose? Like what areas can you only reach through that collaborative uh, experience? Well, so. I feel like for me, I'm, I'm, will be forever learning within this. Text and dance have always been an interest for me. And certainly in the fondue set, we, we have always looked at that intersection, whether you, it matches or whether it subverts it whether the dancer's saying it, whether they're not, whether it's just ums and ahs or a half-finished or never-ending dances. I've always felt like text is quite choreographic and I've always been drawn to the writers where their writing is quite choreographic. And I suppose what I mean by that, it's like Felicity talks of rhythm. She talks of these things that I talk of in dance as well, but it sort of, it does jump out at me a little more than perhaps others. And when I read her work, it's also got that rhythm. So for me, 
Um, the, but I'm very interested at the moment and we're, we're working on another project now where the text could always sort of layer over the top. I'm never really wanting it to be too matchy-matchy. And in that moment, the audience is allowed to then make their own connections. I'm trying not to make it too sentimental um, or tell a story that directly matches. Like I'm not really interested in doing a dance drama. And I think we said that quite a lot during the work. Still interested in to give it an edge and to allow for both art forms to sit very widely on their own. And in that moment, again, it comes together beautifully, you know, um, but with text and dance, and then again for you, Paula, <laughs> bringing someone in to perform the words, such an interesting process again because there was, there did need a frame, there did need a performative element to these words and to have that process to find what that was, like we're chipping away a new sort of sculpture or a new poem or a new way of writing was also such a delight. Yeah, and Felicity, do you want to speak about that process of, you know, having something that's incredibly well written, completed, and then having to mediate it for, you know, a male voice with a slightly different tonality. So Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I, I sometimes I go to writers' festivals and, and see people read their own work and I'm like, that's not the way that your work should be read. You're not representing it very well. But that's partly because I think Text is very, very different when it's actually spoken out loud than when it's on the page. And I think that you have to recognize that. Um, so I do, it's it's a performance, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I do write stuff that is kind of more, more rhythmical and maybe more suited to being said out loud. Um, but it's not, it doesn't kind of universally work that way. So I think Paula and I had to spend, you know, some good time together thinking about how the rhythms of my text that came like from the dancers could also meet the rhythms of um, his own speech pattern. So it became another kind of collaborative act where um, Paula had to work really hard to think about how the text could could best be said not just to represent my text, but then again to represent the whole piece and the dances and the movement. Um, so it's like this kind of really interesting endless loop where you have dancers and a writer responding to dancers and then you have a performance poet who's taken on somebody else's words who's then responding to those words and the dancers and the plays. And so I think that took, between Paula and I, took, you know, it, it we failed at it a few times first and then we suddenly were able to do it and I think that when we were able to do it was when we recognized that we weren't trying to say it as my voice or your voice but as something kind of in between that represented the voice of the actual piece itself yeah and that was something very challenging for me because mm -hmm. I was so used to writing my own experience and speaking it in my own voice that even understanding someone else's experiences, but finding a place within me that relates to it. That's how I struck that middle ground. Um, very interesting. So what was your overall favorite moment across the whole experience? If you can narrow on down. I think for me, it's the wide shot of everyone doing hoi ching ha when it the work hits its peak, it's massive, it's a unison dance. We've got the echoes of your voice in that polar that and we and I know where it's headed. For me, I think I loved that moment because they all danced their own sights and the process to get to that dance was so 
um, they were dancing their own favourite places and then we combined that. That was a collaboration for me like as a dance nerd within the choreography and I loved that and that tune was massive and I knew that that was where the work was about to tip down to the last third, you know. So for me, I, I totally love that piece but that's a tough question because it's Lorencia's solo there, it's Faraz's breaking down, it's Sabrina's head flicks, it's the you polar to smash it off and begin it, it's the audience saying how much this has moved them at a tough time. I mean... The dancers coming from the fires in Bega. I mean, Paula, that's too hard a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I thought it was worth asking. The whole anyway. lot. Fel- the whole lot was Felicity? my favourite. Um, I, I loved when you really captured those more emotional solos with the, the emotion in your voice. Um, I thought it was incorrect. What I thought might not work, but which you smashed and I thought was so amazing, um, was actually the female dancers' stories, like like Lorencia. It was quite amazing to almost. Oh, it's hard to describe. It's not like you channeled a female. Well, I guess you did channel a female experience, but it was a male voice. But it felt so. Um, in tune with the bodies of mm. those girls whose stories you were telling and it just felt very, very full of emotion. Mm. Um, so I think that, that those were my favourite moments mm. for me. Yeah, 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 they were huge. That was yeah, I'm a sensitive man, so I became a poet. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite, uh, Paula? Oh, man. <laughs> there was something about being in Bermagui, Um in the sun and I think it was actually during the rehearsals but I just I took in the environment and I felt really grateful to be there and that was a really really special moment for me not much was happening I was just really happy to be part of something where we're all being creative we're all working in our own way and we're sit, we're working outdoors and we're getting paid for it. And I know. That was great. I mean, being out in nature, Encounter was extraordinary, wasn't it? Because we were just outside so much. To have a project of that scale outside and for that length for so long was extraordinary. It was... I think also you know, because of blessing. the... Like, it, it was really... It was bushfire season by the time we got to Encounter in Parramatta and to kind of watch those fires rip through... Um, the landscape that we had just performed in around Bemidui and then to have those amazing performers who had just faced so much then come up to Parramatta and be in our landscape where essentially we could still see their landscape in the sky, you know, like in the um, with the clouds and the ash and everything that was still so present in Parramatta, even though the fires were quite away from us. Uh, I think there was something really powerful about that particular time period in creating work outdoors. My father's country is the ocean. He sits on the balcony and looks out towards it and back Fifty years in time When he fished with his brothers And the women shook stories out of their bodies when they danced
big welcome to Emma, Faraz and Gabriella. So could you tell us a bit about your dancing journey? How did it begin? And how did you find yourself here working on Encounter with Emma? It began in maybe 10 years ago. Uh, began in kind of a crew-based environment, um, st- street dance specifically, working with, um, you know, working with local kind of dancers uh, in Campbelltown, Liverpool area. Uh, and yeah, and, and kind of just learned from the crew, my crewmates, my, my teacher, and just stuck to that for a few years and then started going to the city, taking open classes, kind of expanding my style a little bit, doing house, locking, popping, all those kind of street styles. Um, and then maybe three years ago or so, I got more into the contemporary practice, um, kind of utilizing what uh, what my training was. So putting putting street dance in a contemporary kind of context. And yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing that now. And um, a year ago, two years ago, I guess, uh, I met Emma and we started doing um, Encounter with an amazing group of collaborate collaborators. Uh, never thought I would be working with an orchestra, a writer and stuff in, in, a, in a dance um, project. So that's that's been great. <laughs> yeah. Gabriella? Um, yeah, I started dancing when I was three and I've always danced and loved it. And I did lots of commercial, um, like a Stedfords and jazz and tap ballet. Um, but I had one contemporary teacher and she, I think she must have just like seen it in me. And I used to like take sneaky, because I wasn't allowed to dance in another studio, but I used to take sneaky contemporary classes at her daughter's studio. <laughs> and then, yeah, at 16, I like decided to give up the commercial and just started doing open classes like at um, Sydney Dance Company. And there was like a, there used to be an Oz Dance open class. Um, contemporary class back then in Glebe. So I used to go to that and started seeing Chunky Move and Bangara and then, yeah, decided to go to VCA, went to VCA and, yeah, loved it and but was a bit overwhelmed with just so much dancing. <laughs> and so then afterwards I went to Chile where my family's from um, and it was just there where I really, like, felt grounded and yeah, I just kind of felt like there was a bit more meaning behind the dancing and I kind of was like, oh, okay, this is why I want to dance because it connects me to people um, and it's a really amazing thing to bring people together and I felt that in South America. And then, yeah, I came back and moved to Bega and started working with Fling Physical Theatre and then I met Emma because she came and did a project with Form and Fling Encounter and then we worked, got to work with her from the beginning of Encounter, from the very early days, all the way to the performance. Got was able to perform, which is something I like pushed for. And um, now I'm working with Emma in the We Are Here company and just keeping it rolling. And it's and also doing the curated program as well. So doing some solo stuff. It's great. I love it. What a journey! Yeah, it's awesome. So. Emma, working with these two very unique dancers and the other dancers who also have completely different backgrounds and wanting them to give their best to the work and express themselves the way they feel to and yet having that precise vision for the choreography, how did you you manage to give them freedom and yet be precise in what you were trying Mm. to do? 
Yeah, well, I think that in this last sort of maybe five five years or so, maybe maybe five to ten years, let me think. The agency of the dancer is key. They need we all need to feel like we make what we make. And I think if we do that, then I think we can perform stronger and we feel some ownership to what we have. And for me as an artist and a dancer, I was always really interested in, I suppose, what where my own dancing practice was. And certainly collaborating with the fondue set for those 10 years, that was a steep collaboration where we worked hard to explore our own dancing practice to come up with our, with, with our own dancing practice, I suppose. So a fourth thing, the three of us, all came together to create a fourth entity. And I think that really taught me how spectacular it can be if you let everyone in the room, which is is a fairly normal practice in contemporary dance, I think, but there is still a lot of very traditional structures where the, the director or the choreographer teaches everything to the dancers and that's the way it is. And they have a little bit of interpretation, but as a general rule, you know, you do as you're told. So that's not as interesting to me, both as an artist or a dancer. And I suppose my teaching uh, practice also talks to that facilitate, more of a facilitatory place to let everyone shine. I mean, you want everyone to shine. Having said that, there are definitely occasions in Encounter where we're, we're really clear on what we're doing and we, and we have the agency has come from a group decision as to this is the currency of this particular piece or that that original uh, spark has come from my body jumping downstairs or something Um, but then we place it together very clearly and on other occasions I try to create a frame a clear frame for people to move within so they have their own agency within a frame that I might create and I think that's come from developing over the years uh, ways of being able to work with a range of people because I love working with with the whole with different kinds of people whether they can dance or different degrees of dance different kind of backgrounds different experiences you know through to my mum or my grandma or you know my kids through to professional like I think you need to find frames to allow people to dance within to get them taking ownership and having agency in what they do yeah and you get everyone's best when you let when you let them bring their best into the room. Well, I think so. I think you've got to create a frame to do that within, though. And I suppose that's coming from a series of postmodern dance artists who, who finally got a bit tired of dance all looking the same and everyone looking the same as the director and everyone dancing the same. And I, I feel like we still see that to this day and it's sort of an aesthetic. And that's all great. That's, I have nothing, no problems with that. But with a group like this, I had such an opportunity to really go a bit deeper into how am I going to create a frame for this work to sit within so the dancers feel like they have ownership of it. Yeah, just that little bit of autonomy increases motivation a lot. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so Faraz, you spoke about jumping from a break dancing Uh, street style dance style into contemporary and so in a work like encounter where there's lots of contemporary dance but you're encouraged to bring your background how did you mediate those two things i think um it's not that big of a transition as some people might think um i think once you're aware of you know using your body and, and controlling your body uh it's it's easier to to start switching styles um 
And just to clarify, I'm not a break dancer. I'm a street dance, street dancer, which is kind of, you know, utilizing of like hip hop, um, popping, crump, all that. And, and breaking is one of, you know, the street styles. Um, and yeah, and, and I think people get confused as contemporary dance being a specific thing. Like it looks aesthetically, you know, specific where it's kind of coming from a classical kind of training and stuff, which it is, but I feel like the projects that we've worked on with Emma was, were, were more contemporary kind of, um, you know, practice. So I think, um, it was more getting used to the, uh, the mindset and thinking of a contemporary dancer than the physic physicality of, of a contemporary dancer. That was easier than the mindset. So I, yeah, the challenge was, um, changing the way I think rather than changing the way that I move. Uh, I pretty much did things that I, I normally do in, in counter, but just in a different kind of, uh, formula and approach. So, yeah. Very interesting. It sounds like it would have expanded your repertoire as an artist. That's yes, cool. conceptually. Yeah, conceptually. Mm -hmm. So, Gabriella, could you tell us a bit about what it was like? Uh, you're, you're in Western Sydney now, but coming from Bermagui, you know, traveling to Parramatta and working with Form and, and the Western Sydney artists. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like, um, so when I was working at Fling, I was the dance development officer. So I had worked a lot with the, um, the youth company, which are 14 to 18 years old and it was just really great because obviously you know the the group of young people from Western Sydney and the group of young people from Vega are so different and have such different experiences and I grew up in Western Sydney so even relating my own experiences of growing up to um, the kids at Fling it's very different but it was so lovely to come together and the, all the crew from Western Sydney came and they spent a week with us on a few occasions and there's something about this kind of relating to place which can be really fluid but it has the kind of similar um, aspects of community and you know like these just little nuances that each little place had we kind of found with like with the idea of cars and this idea of hanging out and hanging about we're all kind of like these kind of broad themes that both both towns or both areas were able to kind of relate to um, and I think that was really beautiful. And I, I actually think this was probably one of Fling's, like, what, since I was working there, it's it seemed like one of the projects that um, a lot of the kids were most excited about. And um, I just think it was that, that whole exchange to kind of give new perspective but also to feel, like, individual but also feel part of this kind of wider um, collective of young people dancing and yeah being in that kind of contemporary practice um mind frame which is um it, it's really great yeah so um emma tell us about we are here um what kind of idea did that evolve from um well first and foremost i saw i had a company right there with encounter it was very clear to me look at this group we rehearse every week. We go through each other's lives. It goes for a long time. It has the development of a dance practice to it. It's not just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, come in for a creative development for four weeks and do a two-week season. I tried to change the structure and I needed to do that being a mother. I, couldn't, I can't do the full-time work anymore in that way. So 
it really was feeling like to me what it felt like to work in the fondue set where, where you really you go on and on and on and the practice continues to develop and the questions keep arising and for me as an artist I asked a mentor what what do they think I should be doing at this point in my dance career you know I'm 45 I've got two kids I have a fair whack of experience under my belt but where does it go and she said well probably you'd run a dance company now and but there's no funding and there's no this and there's no that and she swept it away and I thought hold on a sec I'm not going to give that up yet and Annette and I were talking about what might be next and I said well this is very clear to me as to what would be next it's a dance company and we keep working now the most amazing thing was that um form was successful in receiving funding so what it meant was it's it's a it's sort of a part-time one day a week thing and what came out of it was that we needed to create a new company because of course everybody else goes on and lives their lives they're all they've all got jobs and need to move on but I developed a, a second tier which is a curated program because I really wanted to work a little bit more one-on-one -on -one and ask a few more questions to the encounter dancers in a one-on-one -on -one environment so that's how, uh, so We Are Here has two, two elements. One element is the actual dance company of which Gabby and Josh have returned to go another round. Um, and I have now eight other brilliant local Western Sydney dancers with two Sydney guests. Um, and then the curator program where I get to work one-on-one -on -one with Faraz, with Gabby, with Naomi, with Sabrina. Um, and that seems very, very clear to go and have a little bit more deeper conversations around what was started in Encounter. But we really just got to the tip of the iceberg in Encounter um, with each of these merging and, you know, dance makers that are absolutely happening and current right now, which is the, all these guys. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm very excited to see what works come with, with those deepened relationships and yeah, well, I mean, questions. it's only tiny too, but it's enough to have a conversation. It feels like although we don't get to rehearse all week every day like we did, we may all only meet four or five times each. That's enough for us to know that we are allowed to have those conversations with each other and to formalise that. And I think we need to. And with all of them, the conversations have gone instantly quite a lot deeper and because and the artists know who I am and where I'm coming from, even though that's still learning because the encounter that I, the, me and encounter is quite a different me to uh, every project's different, obviously. But yeah, so We Are Here is now essentially um, what I've been working with is 10 local dancers who are phenomenal, um, for phenomenally interesting group. And we've just finished making uh, 11 solo dancing portraits that Faraz is the commissioned sort of digital artist to work on. So that's super duper exciting. Currently we are Faraz and uh, he'll... <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to know them all pretty quick and it's a totally different flavour and it's a chance for us all to turn a corner and for, for me also to go back inside, although Faraz we took it back outside again. For we are here, I'm excited to go back into a theatre and sort of touch a bit more on my theatrical sort of work rather than outdoor work, except we're outside, which is fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I want to hear from Faraz and Gabriella about what it was like to collaborate with Emma on a six-month project. What was that back and forth like? What did it look like? Um, it was definitely different for what I'm used to. Um, to work once a week for that 
length, but um, because you kind of, you know, you go into rehearsal and then you, you, you go into your life, your life happens and you're back into rehearsal. And it's just like, what just happened? Um, so there's a lot of start and stop, but I think that was very like, you know, that's just reality. And it was good practice to, to be able to, um, switch off when, when you're in rehearsal and just kind of focus on, on what you need to focus on. Um, and Emma, you know, she always asked us, how's our week? And we chatted about that. So we kind of get rid of it. You know, we chatted about it. We talked about it. That's it. Now let's focus about, uh, on rehearsal. So that was kind of good that we treated it as like a bit of a social thing as well as a rehearsal. It wasn't just like, you know, we don't care what what you did this week. We don't care if you had a shitty week. You just got to suck it up. It was kind of like slowly easing in to the serious rehearsal um, situation. So that kind of side of things was good because for me, yeah, I, you know, my eyes are always like, oh, oh, cool, that looks fun, that looks fun, that looks fun. So to stick to one project for that long was definitely a challenge. Um, but, but it got easier and easier. Um, throughout the time, and and yeah, so. The um, the collaboration was pretty much like you know based on, on us and what was happening in our lives and, and like Emma kind of highlighted that so she highlighted like you know. If, if this shitty thing or if this thing that you enjoy is happening, let's let's uh, use that. Or, you know, I was into Chicago footwork. Um, I was into house and we kind of like, you know, build on those interests rather than me saying, oh, I can't, uh, rather than her saying, I can't kind of touch those things that I like. It, it was kind of like, how can we touch those in, in this kind of uh, context? And, and how can we build on the, on the main outcome but utilizing or or kind of working with with our little things just to keep motivation because a lot of motivation was re required uh especially like all full day rehearsals um you know the the weekend ones you, you have a million things happening at home or at work or whatever you you have to motivate yourself to stick to this focus on this let's do it so it was good to be able to play with things we're interested to keep that um that fire burning yeah 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 for me oh it was a bit different for me because I was kind of in the bigger context so but I, I don't know I feel like it was a lot because I sort of worked with Emma um when she came down maybe even like two years before encounter actually happened about it was about 14 months yeah mm. and so so a lot of a lot of material kind of came was created from our first encounter in for the four wind site and so a lot of those movements that that came from there they always I was always kind of embedded in that sort of memory of them and where they kind of started and and the same with movements that started in because I was a part of the first sort of uh, intensive in Parramatta and a lot of movement and um, ideas evolved from that so yeah for me it was I, I was able to kind of keep this almost like body memory of all these different situations and then was able to follow them as they developed over the time. I loved just having to commit my whole self into a performance and not having time to switch off or to not be interested because, yeah, it just asks so much of you. And that's, like, really generous, I think, for Emma to to kind of give us that opportunity to that asks for all of us to be involved. So, yeah, I really love that part of the collaboration. 
I think maybe Paula, if I could, if I can elaborate a bit too. Yeah, I, th I think we were working with all of the dancers. Like, uh, I wanted to make a work that I wanted to do, and I would like to perform. So, and I think that involves emotional realities. It involves choreography, but it involves also the choreography of our brains and like trying to get different tones across the work whether it's really detailed and all of the dances I mean I don't know how long corporate cube was like 271 beats straight of no repetitive movement like I tried to insert these different um sort of frames conceptual frames I suppose for the dance so no dance was the same each dance had its own different dynamic and its own different sort of set of back set of rules to work from and I, I think that everyone did great and I, I, I think although a lot of a lot of it was running and jumping and jiggling for me that is the radical slightly radical component to it is that we we let the wild and the chaos in because really that's also coming from probably inside each of our bodies I believe everyone has that inside of them so we want to create a work that celebrates humanity um, but also quite simply came from that four wind sight. I just responded to the sight and that was what the dancing was. If there's a hill, well, we need to roll down it. If there are some stairs, well, we need to jump down. If there's a railing, let's hang about on it. You know, like sort of quite simple ideas. And I think there was about 12 sections and it was roughly about a month per section we spent. And each month we had four Tuesday rehearsals that went for three hours and a Saturday and a Sunday. So it was fairly structured in my head as to how we're going to get through it. We just It just meant that we weren't quite finishing the last section until about the last month, which started to get a little bit pressured, the hope that would make this uh, thing happen. But there was always, each section was quite different. One, you know, very mathematical versus much more open score. Others connecting in with Bega, which we can't do until we get there other things we made on the spot with Bega in three hours and that ha that was what it had to be because that's all we had time for because I wanted to allow their agency in. I was a bit less keen on just going to Bega and teaching the choreography that Parramatta had made up. So we needed to allow for this fluid process. So yes, it was long, but every every rehearsal became its own entity. And the dancers, I have to say, Paula, so generous to, and particularly yeah, with the older ones too, but the younger ones were great too, but to see the generosity and the power that I can see come out of Faraz because of his background of street dance and, and that, that, what that has is a rhythm and a, and a punch and a furiosity that, and a fierceness that, that you can't always get from a contemporary dancer or someone who's done ballet. Actually, I prefer to work with dancers who have a heart that I can see that hasn't been too manufactured or manicured. And you spend half your life undoing all of that. So I think I was lucky to get a pile of dancers, all of which had that sense of heart, which I think is what we need. I much prefer that over, a, you know, an impeccable arabesque. Having said that, I've got a few impeccable harabesques in uh, We Are Here Right Now. Yeah. That's something that you could see across all the dancers, different ages, different backgrounds, a lot of heart. Yeah, I think we need um, to work at that. Like, I work at that a lot to try and get that out of our dancers, to create, make them work so hard that they can't t show us who they want us to be. They show us who they are. You know, there's a lot of endurance and exhaustion. It was almost like a performance artwork encounter, to be honest. What was it like for everyone working uh, on a show where there was no stage? 
the audience was sitting in the stage and it was very interactive in that way. So tell me what it was like for you and then maybe Emma can tell us why it was like that. Yeah, I, I really enjoy dancing outside in general. I Usually when I practice with, with my crew, like street dance, we usually, you know, meet at ICC in the city or, or you know, just a, at a park or something and, and we practice it. There's something about dancing outside that kind of, like reconnects you with with everything and and makes you kind of forget about your daily life and and yeah it's just really nice and and it's not you know you're not stuck in a room uh, smelling everyone's sweat and and like this fresh air hitting your face and stuff like that and I'm a big fan of that so it was nice to to be able to be able to perform but also to be able to rehearse at um at Prince Alfred Park um in terms of performing outside um uh, it's it's just like for me, you know, my goal in, in performing is to to make dance more accessible to the public, and and Encounter did just that because some people didn't even know about Encounter or form or whatever, but they were just walking past and then you see them kind of stuck there for the whole performance. That to me is kind of like a little ticket that we gave to the public, and now they know a bit more about dance, and hopefully now they're gonna be like more curious and they're going to go see more shows that's a big win for like the dance community itself like as a whole yeah yeah it's it's really different and I think for me it's it's a focus thing like I trained for so long since I was little to perform to a no audience you know like just to this single light which is that light that tells you where center is up the top of the theater and that's like my whole so you know it's it's a really interesting thing because you're it you can't even see who you're performing to and and you almost put on this sort of extra show because you've got lights on you and and yeah you're kind of dancing to this single light so f- yeah so encounter for me was really it really pushed it was really like yeah close up and it had to kind of reshift my my concept of of being seen or or being comfortable with being seen because you can actually feel that that energy of like you can feel someone looking at you when you're dancing. What was also just so phenomenal was how much rehearsal we did do outside and how exhausted it is. You know, if you go outside for a day doing anything, you always come back. It feels like about one outside's worth two in the studio. You know, we were so knackered just from being in the elements. It was beautiful, but we were tired on those outdoor days. And it was such a huge undertaking just as a project to not just always rehearse inside. And we loved when we got outside, but gee, we, we really saw and felt the difference of what does it mean to be outside versus what do you what do you gain and lose working outside versus what do you gain and lose making an indoor theatre work. And there's a lot, there's, a, there's no right or wrong, but there's a big spectrum, that one. And there's certainly now, after being outside, there's a lot we can't control. So it's a really big practice in letting go of what we can't control for example lighting or imagination or we have to find all of that within the work it's real like it really is this it really got real and then again with the smoke and with half the dancers coming from bigger and from the horrendous fires and having to deal with that emotional reality to then still remain outside there's no fourth wall as an artist and as a performer here you cannot sort of go backwards and into an internal landscape. We had to find other ways to create that. But I think the immersive experience was extraordinary and I feel like it's only, it's 
it's almost the only way I want to people to see dance these days that again they have their own agency you know Polly you were there we 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 had all these different kinds of people who wouldn't normally walk up and watch something and then say to me this has made my whole life worthwhile I don't know what's going on in the world right now and now I feel like I can see light I feel great this is amazing and I said this is just prelude encounter hasn't even started yet so I really did feel the massive mag- e- equality of everyone it was free so everyone could see it we felt very strongly about trying to keep that the case it wasn't about who had money to go and see a show there was nothing elitist about it except that the art was still still brilliant and and you know I we all I'm really glad we stuck with that um that sort of setup where it wasn't a ticketed event and people could see it so we had everybody there and it it was amazing to have that immersive experience but it wasn't easy all the time and so full credit to the dancers and to all of us working there in that heat and smoke and sun and rain it was yeah, it felt like the project probably went for twice as long because we were not just contained in our lovely little studio with our aircon and our dressing rooms and, you know, our artisticness. We had to sort of really let everything go and let everything in and that, that, was, that was what made it, I think. That was the glue that kept us together in a way. Yeah, all that energy, enthusiasm and, and heart effort really showed in the, in the final work. It was very intensely emotional, not just for, for us as performers, but for everyone attending. I think um, the beautiful thing about there not being a stage is it blurred the lines between everyone and it's, it was truly an emotional encounter for everyone. And I wasn't born. hadn't died, but I sit there on that veranda and I know he's there too, watching the world extend down the mountain, over those 15 islands and out towards the sea. You are here, here in this place where the eels lay down and the cars light up and the Maccas M is the biggest moon in the sky, summertime and now it's time to dance, the next time dance, the next time you are here, dance. Dance! Dance! You've been listening to Formidables, a podcast series commissioned and produced by Form Dance Projects. We thank Riverside Theatres, Diversity Arts and Information Cultural Exchange for their partnership And we thank the Crown Resort, the Packer Foundation and Create New South Wales for making this possible. I hope you all feel inspired and excited. Stay creative and stay tuned.